Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. More praise for the two young inside linebackers, this time from their position coach, Bill Davis. Zayvon Collins is picking up the defense quickly, and Isaiah Simmons is finding his footing as that Swiss Army knife. Plus, we heard from Kyler Murray, albeit briefly. First, though, another sign GM Steve Keim listens to the show. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 428, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Well, and another attempt to show just how much pull we have or think we have, and really we have no pull at all, MJ, but we can think we do. What we have been saying since the draft, the team needs to add another experienced corner. And what happened? An experienced corner has been signed. Welcome seven-year veteran Darquez Denard. See, Steve Keim is paying attention to what we say here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. What I've learned over the last few years, Craig, I just stay in my lane. We make suggestions, we speculate, and, you know, it wasn't, you know, we looked at the roster and thought, yes, it's great they drafted two uh, cornerbacks in the draft, Marcus Wilson and Tay Gowan, but you have to bring in more veteran experience, and I don't think they're done yet. I don't think so either, and we know that that bottom half of the 53-man roster, and I realize it's a 91-man roster right now, but that is always kind of in flux, those last five to six positions. You're always looking to get better, but specifically about this cornerback position, you've got 10 now, but you have, more importantly, four that have real experience. Malcolm Butler, Robert Alford, Byron Murphy, and now Denard, Six seasons with the Bengals, last season with the Falcons. That's seven total years in the NFL, 85 games, 30 starts. And, yes, he's got a little bit of an injury history of the past two seasons. It's kind of limited in how much time he saw on the field. But the big thing in is familiarity. Vance Joseph, he was Denard's position coach with the Bengals in 2014 and 2015. Denard's first two seasons in the league. So, yes, what do we talk about here a lot is relationships and knowing what you're bringing into the fold, especially at this point in the offseason. I don't know much about Denard. He's five foot eleven, so basically look like Malcolm Butler. But I do like the signing. And at this point, MJ, I wanted any experienced corner. I know there's a lot of names out there, and at the top of many people's list was Richard Sherman. He's the biggest name out there. It didn't matter to me. I just wanted a body in that room. Yeah, I don't know if Sherman... Um, and I, listen, I respect Richard Sherman concerning where he's drafted. You know, he grew up uh, in, in uh, L.A., and he went to Stanford and got his uh, degree, but I don't think he's the same player. And I know pro football focus because he does a podcast with Chris Collins where they're pumping that, but um, I think he's had his better days now. Would he be a good locker room guy? I think they have that right now when it comes to some of their leaders on the, on that side of the ball. Um, you know, you look at you know you the first wave of free agency and, that, you know, the Cardinals obviously uh, they gear to certain players, obviously, you know, getting J.J. Watt first and then they, you know, make a trade for Rodney Hudson. And then I look at the second wave was James Conner where the Cardinals thought, you know, let's just bring in another back, get a one-two punch, let's not rely on some of the other guys, or they don't have to draft a guy. 
And I would say when it looks at Denard, this is the third wave. And it's a quality signing, a veteran guy that can come in here and add depth in competition with Marcus Will, or Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan. Yes, and if you look now at your top linebackers, if you keep, what, six in the regular season, maybe seven, but your top six are the four names, the four veterans, and then perhaps your two draft picks in Wilson and Gowan. But it does add a little bit of, I don't know if protection is the right word, but uh, yeah, look, I'm a big fan of Robert Alford. It's just the fact we haven't seen him for two seasons. That was my concern going into this offseason, and I realize we're a long ways away before that week one game against the Titans, and a lot of teams post-draft will kind of look and wait. Let's get these guys on the field. How are our draft picks? Maybe there's an undrafted rookie free agent that surprises. Maybe we don't need to go back out into the free agent market. And maybe then again that happens post-OTAs, post-minicamp, getting ready for training camp. We really didn't like what we saw, or this guy that we thought could be a major player isn't quite what we need right now. Let's go find someone on the street, and hopefully that this is a player that, yes, becomes a rotation player because you can never have enough cornerbacks, but someone that, as we mentioned, does have familiarity with what Coach Joseph wants to do defensively, and I think right now it's all on Denard. I mean, he's been given an opportunity, much like the draft picks. What do you do with that opportunity? Because, as we know, if you don't make the most of that opportunity, teams are going to look elsewhere. What's behind door number one, two, three, and four until they figure out the best mix at that particular position? Well, I mean, we haven't got a chance to talk to him, and, and I'm, I'm assuming he was itching to find a team. At this point in time, you just want to get into camp. You want to learn a new system. In this case, he, he's familiar with the system. But there are terminology and there's vocabulary and there's different um, sub-packages that he's going to have to learn. But, you know, you look at his career, he's earned a coverage grade, according to Pro Football Focus, 63.1 in five of his, his first seven seasons, tying a career-high 76 in 2019. Now, he's also earned a 91-run defensive grade in 2018, which is ranked fourth in the NFL. So that tells you he's a little physical similar to we were talking about Malcolm Butler. Yes, and you want those guys that aren't afraid of contact. Press man coverage, that's your big phrasing as far as what Coach Joseph likes to do. Speaking of Vance Joseph, this is something now we've seen now for the past couple of seasons. Jordan Phillips, history with Vance Joseph. Drake Kirkpatrick, Jonathan Joseph. And now this offseason, J.J. Watt, Sean Williams. Vance Joseph has been around the league. He's had a number of stops, but during those stops, no matter how short a time he was in, say, Houston, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Denver, you build relationships and you're always watching players, your own players, other players out on the field. And I think it's much easier for a coaching staff to go to the front office and say, well, if we're looking for help at this position, I worked with this guy. I know this player. Let's pop in the tape and see. If you don't like it, that's fine. But at least there's that on the other side, Darquez, Denard, or whomever it is, isn't walking into something blindfolded. He's got someone that he can reach out to or look towards to say, all right, what are you looking for here? And I know I can bring that. So thanks for the opportunity. And again, as we said, Darquez, Denard, it's on him now to take the bull by the reins. And, you know, we don't know if how many other teams are interested. And he probably, kind of similar to Tony Jefferson, a little bit different circumstances. He petitioned a league. He was going to be a second-round pick. He ends up going undrafted. The Cardinals, once they hired Arians and promoted Steve Kime, they let go of Kerry Rhodes and Adrian Wilson. So you wonder when he looks at this, okay, Robert Alford hasn't been able to stay healthy the last two years. Byron Murphy's a slot guy. 
and Malcolm Butler's on a one-year deal. And a lot of these guys are on one-year deals. Like you said, prove it. Yes. You get the opportunity. So, again, I, I got to think these guys were itching to get in some camp because you got to show the coaches what you're worth over the next eight weeks. Denard, 29 years old, as we mentioned, seven years in the league. So some experience at that cornerback position. And perhaps as we discuss here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, what's next? And I'm not saying immediate, maybe later this offseason, maybe right before the start of training camp. We talked about it earlier in the week. We've heard Drew Grigson bring up the tight end position. I don't know how much we're going to see a lot of the tight end as far as the passing game is concerned, but I is there is that room that perhaps could be the next position that gets addressed this offseason. And I was I asked Kingsbury about that yesterday, and he said, "Yeah, that's a position we we're going to look at now. Whether it happens now, maybe they got a guide on somebody that could be released going to camp. Um, obviously, June first is a big deal when it comes to the contracts. You can push money around for dead money for the following year. So we'll see. But it sounds like they have." An eye now on a tight end position, and again, I don't. I still don't think they're done with the corner, but you know, we'll wait and see. Yes, and when you look at the tight end still on the market via free agency, Jesse James, Tyler Eifert, Virgil Green, Josh Hill, Jordan Reed, Trey Burton, just to name a handful. So there are still guys out there, and this is that point in the off season, June, getting closer to July, to where, as you said. Players are going to go a little antsy, and all of a sudden, if you had a price point maybe in May, then all of a sudden now you're in June. You're like, you know, I got to get on a team. You know, I I got to pay some bills, and all of a sudden that price point comes down to where teams are more apt to sign you because look, this salary cap it's not like other years. I mean, it's a little bit better, but it's still not where I think everyone projects it to be in a couple of years. So not pinching pennies or anything, but you do need to be wary of where you fall under that cap, especially going into a regular season where you need a few million dollars based off of injuries and in adding players because of the depth concerns. Yeah, I don't know the the terms of the contract, and I got to think it's probably a, you know a minimum deal, uh, considering when he signed, and it's all going to be based on a does he make the roster and is he active on game day, and he's going to have to play on special teams. So, you know that's where it's at. I think there's only one corner out there, Steve Nelson, okay, that I think the Cardinals would be willing to offer. I don't know the asking price. Uh, I know that he was making close to nine. I've seen reports he may get four or five. Maybe you want to get him on a, a longer term deal. Um, but that's the only guy I would say that would get more than the minimum just based on his um, his play and his age. Well, let's just point this out right here, Bird Gang, that if Nelson is indeed signed at some point this offseason, then we do know for a fact that general manager Steve Keim is listening to Cardinals cover too. And taking <laughs> our suggestions here on the show, that's what we provide. We provide <laughs> suggestions. Now, what that... What the team does with those suggestions, you know, that's that's why we're here and the front office is there. And as you say, MJ, know your role. And that's what we do here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about this week, OTAs, organized team activities, three days, and we are at the halfway point, if you will, day two of the three-day OTA. And something I did not know when we discussed day one of OTAs is something that I saw on social media posted by the Arizona Cardinals, and it's a 12-second clip of Kyler Murray walking onto the field 
for the starts of practice on day one. Remember, we have not heard officially from Kyler Murray in a press conference setting since the end of the regular season. He has spoken and done a couple of interviews, but we have not heard from him about the Cardinals specifically. And it was interesting to hear him as he's getting ready to practice. And we talked about how important it was that he is here. It's voluntary, but he is here. DeAndre Hopkins is here. J.J. Watt is here. They don't have to be here, but it's important to establish relationships and also continue to build that chemistry. Speaking of which, quoting Murray, getting ready to start this thing off right. See this time, though, this year we got to finish it right. Look to do something different this year. It's going to be fun. That part right there, MJ, got to finish it right. Team went 3-6 and six down the stretch. We know they were 2-4 and four within the NFC West, and this is something that we heard from Murray earlier in the offseason as far as doing the little things now so the bigger things come, the regular season, everyone is ready and prepared for. Yeah, I, I like what he's saying. And and the fact that he talks about finishing and, you know, it all starts with uh, the team and, and obviously, you know, him being able to play all 16 games, which he has. Unfortunately, he's been banged up a little bit in, in, the, in, the, in the final couple weeks of the season. So I like what he's saying. And listen, when I go back to that first game against Detroit, and Kyler Murray, we know how successful he was throughout his entire life, you know, playing football and other sports. But I think he's been humbled a little bit. But you just can't step on the field and win. He said it was his worst game of his career. And luckily, you know, they were able to come back from a deficit at halftime to force overtime. But I think he knows now you got to put the work in. Not saying, again, he works out around the clock when it comes to lifting weights, keeping in shape, making sure he can withstand a 17-game schedule. Now it's about diving in a playbook, watching film. So that's about finishing, doing the little things. And so I'm encouraged what he's saying, but I think he's been humble where you just can't step on the field. Those those other players and the quarterbacks are going to face this year, they're just as good as you. If not, somebody have more experience and they could be better. So I think he realizes you got to put the work in on the field and how you practice is how you're going to play on game day. Well, it's about being a professional. And how many times do we hear young players later on say, yeah, if I'd only known now what I knew back then as far as, yes, I can list, lift all the weights, but how do I take care of myself? How do I take care of my body? What am I doing for my mind? I think that is where a lot of these star college players get humbled a little bit in your words. You're going to see it this season. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, he's going to lose more games in the first month of the regular season than he has lost in his entire college career, maybe his entire career playing football. That's what happens. It was no different with Kyler Murray. What was the question we asked? How is he going to handle losing? It's not something that anyone goes into thinking because no one goes into thinking anything, whatever you're doing, about losing, whether you're losing a game or losing you know, as you're pitching for a job or a project. It's going to happen. You're not successful every single time. And even the greatest, they suffer losses on the football field. You're not perfect every single time. And that, I think, is the adjustments, or in your words again, the humbling aspect to where most times, high school, college, these players can just show up on the field and automatically they are the number one player. They have the most talent on anyone on the field, on either side of the ball, and their talent wins out. Not the case in the National Football League. Everyone has talent. And what separates those 
from just good players to great players is one talent but also everything else, the little things, going back to what Kyler Murray has talked about, and that is the work you put in and also the work you put in not only individually but with your teammates. And I'll be fair to Kyler Murray. I mean, the, the, the night they drafted him and when he arrived on the tarmac, they handed the keys to this guy. He started from day one. Patrick Mahomes didn't start from day one. Uh, Josh Allen didn't start from day one. Baker Mayfield didn't start from day one. And so you could see he's starting to mature – and he knows you got to put the work in, and hopefully his teammates are listening because it all starts with the quarterback. And then on defense, you got Buddha, Chandler, and J.J. Watt now. I think Rodney Hudson. You know, I don't know how much Hopkins talks, but obviously he's a guy that Kyler Murray is. Is you know, again, the first time we heard it yeah, from Cliff Kingsbury, it took about eight weeks for them to figure it out. That's not going to be the case going into this year. So, again, that third year is really big, and you know. I don't know what the numbers are. I just know when it comes to winning games, you got to get double digits if you want to get in the NFC playoffs this year. And I think a lot of the times, and I'll put myself in that category, we forget how young Kyler Murray still is, even though he's got two years under his belt and looking into year three and a big year three for him. And I know the hype machine was put into full force a year ago at this time as far as year two. Well, starting up again, MJ, as far as going into year three, how about Adam Shine, NFL.com, has Kyler Murray among his nine dark horse MVP candidates for the 2021 regular season. Dak Prescott, number one, Justin Herbert, number two, and then Kyler Murray checks in at number three. Shine writes, Murray is ready for prime time. Murray's chemistry with DeAndre Hopkins will only get better, which is frightening for the rest of the league. Also, I love the Rondell Moore selection in the draft's second round. The Purdue products, a savvy speedster who can star in the slot and add to Murray's explosive plays. Kingsbury's quarterback-friendly offense is great. And then he added that the Cardinals improved their roster during what he said was an active free agency period. So again, it's all off-season talk. It looks great in print when you see the Cardinals or a Cardinals player on these lists, and it does offer talking points. And I do think, let's not forget, halfway through the season a year ago, he's on pace for 4,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards, which had never been done. Winning record. With a quarterback, and all of a sudden he was in those first half season projections or categories as far as MVP is concerned. So, again, it's it's the postseason honors that everyone is worried about, but it is good when your name shows up in print. Yeah, and when it comes to Adam Shine and Peter Schrager, it seems like from a national perspective, they're, they're really fans of the Cardinals and, and obviously the relationship they have with the organization. So uh, I like, I like um, Adam Shine. He knows what he's talking about. Obviously, he does a national show. Um, but at the end of the day, we've talked about this in the past. When you win the MVP, you have to win 11, 12, 13 games. And I think the prime example last year is Aaron Rodgers now. So I'm not saying he can't do it. He puts up, you know, 40 touchdowns and rushes for 1,000 yards. I don't know if that's feasible. I think when you add the touchdowns and rushing touchdowns, he could get to 35 to 40. He's proven that. Um, but again, you got to win double digits, and it's not a 10 or 11. You got to win 12, 13, 14 games. I think this team would like to win the division and just get into the postseason. By the way, the other six names on Shine's list as far as MVP dark horses Carson Wentz, 
Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Miles Garrett, Jameis Winston, and Russell Wilson, the only non-quarterback. And this is dark horse. This is not Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. These are guys that you know aren't, I wouldn't say household names, but aren't always in the top tier. Dak Prescott, though, is more just because coming off an injury. But Miles Garrett, the only non-quarterback on the list of nine players he has. Yeah, and, and normally they have the Defensive Player of the Year award. And according to Miles Garrett, you know, COVID really affected. Him. He had asthma, and he felt felt like he was in the running. Now it's going to be hard to top Aaron Donald, but we know that that team has talent in Cleveland. He gets to the quarterback. They add to Davion Clowney. So, you know, you, you normally the MVP has been the quarterbacks, and if a guy rushes for two thousand yards or a receiver gets, you know, eighteen hundred yards and 15 touchdowns like Randy Moss, that's more. But it looks like when it comes to the MVP, it's more the quarterback position. Yeah, it is a spot that is kind of hard for anyone that's not a quarterback to win. And that's it's unfortunate, but that's just how things have played out in recent years because of the one loss total that a quarterback has behind the stats that they put up. And they also have the Offensive Player of the Year. And if you get a guy like Delvin Cook uh, Elvin Kamara or, or back that puts out the numbers I say, but, you know, if Murray – 4,000 yards passing, you know, 1,800 to 1,000 yards rushing. He could be in that conversation. So I, I do like the fact that they have the Offensive Player of the Year, and a lot of times that goes to a skill position player versus a quarterback. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, 17 games to work with and get those numbers, not only in the win-loss column, but also individually as well. And Bergang, if you want to be a part of it, at State Farm Stadium, Single game tickets available azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. As we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. For those that might have missed the Big Red Rage this week, linebackers coach Bill Davis, a guest with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley, once again heaping praise on the two young linebackers, inside linebackers, Avon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. More on those two in a moment. But to hear for the first time outside of head coach Cliff Kingsbury, who was very happy, pleased that he had players on a football field for the first time in two years. A year ago, did not happen in the offseason. But to hear Coach Davis talk about the difference that this offseason is going to make, not so much for a J.J. Watt or a Chandler Jones, but for Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, those young players, whether it's rookies, first- or second-year players, because if you think about it, there are some players out there that haven't had a full offseason, a legit full offseason, and that, you know, whether we go into this quote-unquote new offseason where the OTAs are limited and the minicamp is maybe reduced. Every team is seemingly seems kind of be doing things a little bit different this offseason. The Cardinals and their players have agreed to three OTAs plus a minicamp. That is the six days that the team will be on the football field. But to have the rookies in the building and walking through stuff, physically doing it, not just learning it, through Zoom meetings, I think is going to make all the difference for this rookie class that last year's rookie class did not get. Couldn't agree more. And and the fact is, um, you know, Kingsbury always talks about getting on the grass, you know, face-to-face, you know, making sure they're going through their walkthroughs, making sure you're lining up in the right spot. Go back and watch the film. Don't make the same mistakes, day, you know, day after day. So you look at Zayvon Collins and you, you throw in Isaiah Simmons, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching these guys play. 
And the fact that I think Isaiah Simmons, um, you know, we know he struggled early on, um, but according to, to Billy Davis uh, on the Big Red Rage, he felt like he made some progress throughout the year, and I think he's going to be a jack-of-all-trades this year when it comes to his, his play time, and I think he's going to be a three-down backer. And the la- last thing I'll say, you know, it's, it's good to be on the field, but there was no preseason games last year. These guys need preseason games. I told you Chandler Jones told us he needed preseason games, even if it's one. So it's it's night and day from a year ago. Don't mean to be redundant, but I can't tell you just being out there uh, for an hour we only could talk about the first 20 minutes, um, you could see the energy and just how guys are communicating. And, it, yeah, it's just the first day of school, so everyone's excited. But you could just see that's how you get better on the field, going through the process, and then watching yourself on film. Remember we talked recently about what defensive coordinator Vance Joseph told Jim Trotter of the NFL Network and NFL.com about Simmons and the progress Simmons made from week one to week 17. Coach Davis mentioned the same thing and without prompting brought up week one against San Francisco, that 76-yard touchdown in which Simmons was beat. And according to Davis, quote, he didn't blow that particular assignment again the whole year, end quote. Rookies are going to make mistakes. It's just don't make the same mistake twice. And that's just not Isaiah Simmons as a rookie. That's rookies across the board, every single position. You're going to make mistakes, but just don't let happen again week in and week out. And I'll give Simmons credit. It certainly didn't look good, but it might have been the best thing that had happened to him as far as that week one because it might have refocused him and then all of a sudden understood that, hey, I'm not at Clemson anymore. This is where the big boys play, and I need, I don't know if it's work harder or longer, but just realizing that there is a level up from college to the pro. We all know you, you, you know, confidence is big in life, whatever you're doing, if you're confident. And I don't think he was confident. I think he was swimming. But the fact that he you know, he made that interception against Russell Wilson and Seahawks, Cardinals won that game. The fact that his only sack is against Russell Wilson, and he did come to the sidelines and said, I can do this. So to me, confidence and playing more free versus thinking will go a long way for any player, including Isaiah Simmons. And if you're not thinking, then all of a sudden you're a step or two faster or quicker your reflexes are just a little bit more and I think that's what coach Davis was referring to because he also brought up the fact that Simmons's mind slowed down and his body activated and you saw him make some plays to your point the interception against Russell Wilson the sack of Russell Wilson and we saw Simmons see more playing time as the season progressed, that second half of the season, he was on the field a heck of a lot more than he was in the first half, and that was because I think he was thinking too much. And if you're thinking, if you're the coaches on the sidelines, you do not you do me no good if you're thinking because once you think, the guy that you're supposed to be covering or following or shadowing, he's behind you. And he also got a chance to play on special teams. And one thing I didn't know, not that, you know, he's physical. I mean, the hit on Cam Newton, Cam was going to flop anyways. Um, was a third and 12, third and 13. Cam wasn't throwing the ball very well. That game still sticks out. The Cardinals should have won that game. But anyways, I like his physicality, and he's a big – he's he's tall, and he's not lean. He's got some muscle to him, but he's very athletic. And so, like I said, between Collins and Simmons, I think their future is going to be bright. Now it's just a matter of time. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. They get they got to go through the process, but they got other players around them 
that will obviously make a difference where these guys can stand out, whether it's week to week or, you know, a couple games here. Um, but I like the fact that, you know, they got two young guys, and it's going to be interesting to see how opposing teams try to attack the middle of the field on the Arizona Cardinals. And those two talking about Collins and Simmons, they're going to be inside linebackers. We'll get to Zayvon Collins in a moment, but Simmons, in the words of Coach Davis, his, quote, home base will be inside linebacker, but then will be moved around to kind of cause some confusion amongst offenses. And Davis mentioned on the Big Red Rays that last season, Simmons played six different positions, three linebacker spots, plus strong safety, free safety, and nickel. And as the season progressed, as he got more and more comfortable and confident, that's when things started to slow down. So they threw a lot at Simmons a year ago, mind you, without an offseason, without a preseason. And that's why I think there was such a disappointment in that Simmons wasn't I wouldn't say he wasn't ready, but he just wasn't, as a first-round pick, there's an expectation to be on the football field and contribute, and he just wasn't doing that early on in the regular season. But there was a lot asked of Simmons because he did a lot at Clemson, and the Cardinals want him to do a lot here at the NFL level. But to hear him, Coach Davis, say that six different positions that Simmons was trained at and what did we hear all of last offseason, the Swiss Army night? But we're going to kind of slow play it and make sure he doesn't get too much information. But at the end of the day, Simmons lined up in a number of different spots on the field. Well, and let's keep in mind, to start the season, it was Campbell and Hicks. And then as the season progressed, you know, you started to see, you know, Jordan Hicks kind of lose a step. And so he got more playing time. And then when, we, when they went to that jet package, they got their, their pass rushers out there. That was Gardeck and... You throw in, you know, um, uh, Marcus Golden. They would use some of their DBs, uh, but Isaiah Simmons was part of that package. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because the first thing I thought when you said, you know, last year, you, you know, six different positions he trained at, but the whole idea was we're going to slow play him. Now, the, again, for him, at least he didn't have to start from day one. But obviously, when you're eighth overall pick, you got to be active on game day. And I think we can now kind of open up the door a little bit. But during training camp, he was, even during the open portion of practice, he was in some cornerback drills. And even when we were watching 11-on-11, he was lined up in the slot covering wide receivers. Now, how much we see that come the regular season, but I just think that shows his versatility, something that the Cardinals did like watching film of him in college. And now all of a sudden, how do they utilize that on the NFL level? Yes, he is an inside linebacker, but from that inside linebacker position, you can do different things. And Coach Davis was explaining on the Big Red Rage that you don't know if you're that quarterback. If Simmons is in the box, you know, does he drop back as a safety? Does he move to the side to maybe line up in the slot to defend a wide receiver? Or is he coming at you as an edge rusher, which Simmons was very successful at in Clemson, and now he's getting more and more comfortable as an inside linebacker, meaning he's covering more as far as who comes across the middle, whether that's a tight end or a running back. And I think that is in year two. You'll see a much improved, a much smarter, and a much more efficient player with Isaiah Simmons. If I'm connecting dots, if he's dropping back in the coverage, i got to think they're going to get some more interceptions. Yes, and that's another thing that Coach Davis brought up because we talked about the tall trees that Steve Kime talked about as far as six foot four Simmons, six foot four Zayvon Collins. You put your arms up in the air and all of a sudden you're what? Seven feet, seven and a half feet tall. Just a wingspan. JJ Watt now at the line of scrimmage. We know he's 
very good at batting balls at the line of scrimmage, and that was the one area that Coach Davis said that this defense can improve the most is turnovers. I went back and looked. The Cardinals forced 21 turnovers in 2020, including 11 interceptions. But to Davis's point, when you're trying to throw over two six foot four players, quote, you're going to elevate your pass a little bit, end quote. So all of a sudden now, if you're elevating your pass, maybe you're got some overthrows, maybe some balls are tipped. They're just out of the reach of the wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, that ball is fluttering up in the air. Maybe Buda Baker gets a handful of interceptions. Maybe that's Malcolm Butler. Maybe that's Robert Alford. Or maybe that is an Isaiah Simmons. But when you have two tall trees, and I think it's a very good description, might just have to keep referring to those guys as two tall trees in the middle of the field. Quarterbacks want to throw towards the middle of the field because that's usually where there is some wide open spaces. It might not be so wide open with two six four guys, and then you throw in J.J. Watt at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I like what he's saying because if you get pressure and you know you make the quarterback uh, under duress, he's got to pick his poison there. And if you get a tip ball, we know a couple years ago Jordan Hicks led this team in interceptions. Yes, and that you, sometimes you don't like to see that, but if he's got you know five or six, but if your cornerbacks and safeties are having some interceptions, and then of course we talk about the coverage and if there is a patch rush or if quarterbacks are having trouble looking over the over the defense that front seven because there's too much room or there's too much traffic if you will they have to get the raw ball out quicker and then all of a sudden to coach davis's point you're overthrowing you're not as accurate as you thought because you can't really set your feet and do what you want to get the ball out you know i i don't when I look at Carlos Dansby, I mean, he, he had good size. He was a high pick, a second-round pick out of Auburn. He had a great college career. And a lot of times he would drop into coverage, but a lot of times he dropped the ball. So I could see them getting more opportunities. And are, now, are they oak trees or ma- maple <laughs> trees? Because they, they're, I mean, they're, they're two strong guys, and they're tall. Sequoia trees? Yeah. Oak tree's really strong. Oak tree, okay, okay, we'll go with oak trees. I, I could be wrong, but if somebody wants to correct me what's the strongest tree out there, I'm going to go oak tree. All right, then uh, I'll back you up on that. Zayvon <laughs> Collins and Isaiah Simmons, a pair of oak trees in the middle of that defense. As we reference a lot of Coach Bill Davis and what he had to say on the Big Red Rage, and in case you missed it, you can go to azcardinals.com slash podcast and get the entire show, but I'll make it much easier for for you, Bird Gang. Just simply subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast, and you can do so either on Apple Podcasts Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. That way you can, one, listen to your favorite shows on the go, and then, two, never miss an episode. We're talking Cardinals Cover 2, Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and Cardinals Underground. Again, that's azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, let's continue because I wanted to point out Zayvon Collins as well because I think – in the last couple of months, Simmons has been the odd man out. He's been kind of the forgotten guy. We always like the new shiny object. And last year that was Simmons, and this year it's Zayvon Collins. But a lot the year of, before Kyler Murray, exactly. There's always someone new. <laughs> First round picks, exactly. Yeah, and you just kind of focus on them and forget about what you have already on the football field. But Collins, as we discussed, is there is going to be a big spotlight, a bright spotlight on him just because of the position that he's playing at Mike Linebacker, the quarterback of the defense. And in the words of Coach Davis, quote, the true art of playing the Mike Backer, he's the quarterback of our defense, is the ability to communicate to all 10 other defensive players their responsibility, end quote. And then, oh, by the way, not only do that, 
but you do your job as well at a very high level. That was the concern that I had and a lot of people had as far as now all of a sudden you're giving this young player, a rookie, this responsibility. It is a huge responsibility, but I am confident because we've heard from Drew Grigson and now we've heard from Coach Bill Davis that what they have seen on the football field, it is a very limited amount of time. You're talking about rookie minicamp and OTAs that Collins has picked this defense up very well. He understands what is asked of him. He understands what is asked of the 10 other guys on the football field and then adjusting as well because that's something that doesn't get talked a lot about. You can have your defense set, but then all of a sudden the offense changes formation or there's motion, and then it's on the Mike linebacker to adjust everyone else, and that is what is being asked to Zayvon Collins this season. Well, I mean, they were adamant. Uh, on draft night, even in the second round, that both of these guys, Rondell Moore and Zayvon Collins, was going to start from day one. I wonder if they didn't have an offseason where they had that same claim, but i got to give Steve credit here because you could see when he made the pick, he thought day one started. But if he, he doesn't have an offseason, all of a sudden he's playing catch-up too. Yeah, and it's it goes back to the fact that a year ago at this time, it was all Zoom meetings, and Collins was even asked – on a recent press conference that could he imagine being uh, Isaiah Simmons a year ago and having to learn all this stuff virtually as opposed to on the football field and said, no, I don't know how the guys did it. And look, there were some players last year, rookies that were more successful than others. They were able to do it, and that's great. But the vast majority of rookies, first-year players and undrafted rookie free agents, they, they didn't. They were swimming, and it took until that midway point of the season, week 8, week 9, week 10, to where things really slowed down, and then all of a sudden you saw what the Cardinals saw and every other team saw in their respective draft picks. You can't understate it or overstate it enough. The offseason is huge. Well, I think there's certain positions like Chase Young, pass rusher. They would invested four or five um, you know, first picks, in it. so I think you plug and play. You know, the receivers – you know, you look at the receivers last year between, you know, Judy Ruggs and um, CeeDee Lamb. They showed flashes. I think running backs can come in, but when you're work, offensive line, I think it's difficult to play right away. D-line, I think you're part of a rotation. It's one position they rotate. Um, playing inside linebacker is not easy to be a rookie. Corner, if you got good cover skills, I think you can plug and play. So I think there's certain positions, um, but – a lot of times, centers center is probably one of the smartest guys on the team. You got to make all the calls, and then the inside middle linebacker is probably the smartest guy on defense because he's got to make the calls. And as we pointed out, he's got to know where J.J. Watt's lining up, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, Kennard, Buda Baker, Malcolm Butler, and it's not easy. But the fact that he's getting the reps right now on the field, and then going back and watching film. That's going to be huge going into the season. And something you've pointed out, and Wolf did as well on the Big Red Rage, is when you have a J.J. Watt, a Chandler Jones, a Buda Baker, some veterans, they can also assist in that. It's not just going to be all on Collins. And even during the portion that was open to the media, the day one of OTAs, the one voice I did hear more than any other was Buda Baker. And now within a stadium and a bunch of people and you have to be real loud and it's going to be more difficult on the back end as opposed to someone is in the middle of the defense. 
But that communication, I think it's a lot was asked of Jordan Hicks that first year, and he was basically it. And I don't think I don't I don't think he got enough credit for everything that was asked of him, and he was basically doing everyone's job. And it's the same thing the Cardinals are asking Zayvon Collins, but the difference is there. This is year three of the defense. So there are more players familiar with what coach Joseph wants to do. And you've got some guys who are proven in this league that all of a sudden won't be just, well, the rookie told me to do this. Like, no, there'll, there'll be constant communication on all three levels to make sure everyone is lined up properly. Let me give you an example. So Vance will wait for the other team's personnel. Let's say they change personnel. So he changes his, his packages. So you get, you get the pre-snap read and call. Now, if they show a lot of motion, which we know the Rams and the 49ers do, they're motioning guys, all of a sudden Buddha may check the call and tap him on the hip. Okay, now move over because he has the experience. Same thing with Chandler. Same thing with, you know, um, Collins is going to have the ability to go down and tap J.J. Watt on, on, on the hip, move inside. So pre-snap call he'll get. That's what he'll rely. Now post-snap or as the ball is being snapped based on the motion, that's when you could see some movement there and you make sure everyone's on the same page. And Bird Gang, what MJ is describing here is happening in a matter of seconds, not minutes, not, hey, let me think about it. It's, I need to know now. I need to react now. Otherwise, as we've said, you know, you could be in the perfect position, but the adjustment isn't perfect. And all of a sudden, what was maybe a short gain turns into a first down or even worse, a touchdown. And that is what the Cardinals want to avoid this season. Well, you can have, you know, the great call, but if 10 guys are doing their job and one guy misses the block, it's all really all always comes down to execution. We can talk about play calling is very subjective based on the result, but really it's about execution, and that's something this team needs to definitely improve on week in and week out going into the season. All 11 players, whether you were talking about offense, defense, and even special teams, because one guy out of position and then all of a sudden the entire play breaks down. Bird Gang, if you haven't already, make sure you catch up on Cardinals Flight Plan. Two episodes in the books as the Cardinals chronicle the offseason. We're talking about free agency, the draft, and of course these on-field workouts, OTAs, and minicamp. Two episodes in, episode number one, Power Surge, episode number two, First Class. Those are available via the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Again, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode of the Emmy Award-winning Cardinals Flight Plan. Before we knock on out of here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we kind of discussed this earlier in the week with Bertram Berry on the Red Sea Report. I wanted to give us a time, a moment or two to share as well, and that is CBSSports.com. Pete Prisco has covered the NFL for a number of years, does a great job ranked his top 100 players. Again, we're talking about the offseason. It's a talking point. It's a discussion. On his top 100, he had five Cardinals listed. DeAndre Hopkins at number 36. Buda Baker at 51. Chandler Jones checked in at 54, followed by J.J. Watt, number 66. And Kyler Murray, 94. The 11th of 12 quarterbacks on this list. The 12th quarterback, Joe Burrow, listed at number 95. So five players doesn't sound like a lot, but look, 
I think it's a good representation whether you agree with where they're ranked. And again, this is one man's opinion, and it does offer a lot of people uh, to express their disdain or their approval depending on what their favorite team and their favorite players are listed on this top 100. Yeah, and you also included just miss Rodney Hudson and DJ Humphreys. And, you know, I think Humphreys obviously, you know, He's been able to stay healthy. He's one of the better left tackles in football. Probably doesn't get the credit until this team gets somebody to uh, be in the Pro Bowl or an All-Pro. Um, but again, uh, I, Rodney Hudson and D.J. Humphreys, I can make the case as of today, they're the two best linemen on the roster. And that's that's hard to, I guess, rank when you're talking about offensive linemen who you don't really have stats for, but the stats that you do have are sacks that are given up. And I always Pressures. Lo- yeah, I always love it because there are what, sixty five, seventy five snaps in a game. And as a tackle, you could be good on seventy of those seventy three snaps. But those other three, you allowed a sack and you allowed two pressures or two hurries, and then all of a sudden you had a bad day. Whereas a defensive player, if you're rushing the quarterback 70 out of those 73 snaps and you get one sack, all of a sudden, hey, you accomplished a lot. And, you know, I got to the quarterback one time, whereas an offensive lineman needs to be perfect every single snap. So it was a little bit more difficult. I do like the fact that you had – Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt on this list. But to your point about the offensive lineman, I do think that, for me, Rodney Hudson is going to be huge for this team, not just on offense, but the entire team just based based off what he can do. Because if you have a good offense, all of a sudden that everything becomes a little bit easier in the other phases of the game to where the defense doesn't feel more pressure to get that stop or get that turnover or special teams feels that they need to have a long return or force a turnover on a punt or a kickoff or whatever. And I just think, for me, Hudson is going to be the one player that at the end of 2021 we're all going to point back to and say, yeah, that was the key to the Cardinals' success. And the fact that he was available and they were able to, within 24 hours after losing out on Corey Lindsley, uh, he went to the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's one of the best offseason moves, in my opinion, um, besides signing J.J. Watt, and this came through a trade. Again, Steve's done a great job, whether it's draft. You know, he knows he's got to hit on the first three rounds. Um, and then you look at trades and then free agents and then obviously undrafted free agents. One more notes on Prisco's top 100. DeAndre Hopkins, the highest-ranked Cardinal, fifth wide receiver listed overall behind Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Julio Jones. I can't really, I mean, just wide receiver rankings. I know Hopkins, he put up a bunch of numbers a year ago, but those are, including Hopkins, those are five really quality wide receivers. They all do something different. I think number one on that list, Devontae Adams, he's a name that you don't hear talked enough about around the entire league as far as nationally is concerned. Well, you look in the last three years, he leads the NFL in in touchdowns. you know, I think when we when the Cardinals pulled off the trade for Hopkins, we always thought it was Hopkins in any order, Mike Thomas, who did not play well or did not play last year, some injuries, so maybe he didn't make the list. And and then we it was always in Julio Jones, and he didn't play. And now you're starting to see more about Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and there's other wide receivers. But you know, clearly these guys are number one wide receivers. But last year, when or two years ago, when they pulled off the trade. Um, I was thinking, wow, um, last year, excuse me, when they pull off a trade like 
we've always talked about the top three receivers, and Hopkins was in that conversation. And I'll be okay, and maybe even not to put words in D-Hop's mouth, but if he doesn't get 115 catches, if he doesn't hit 1,400 receiving yards, if those numbers are down a little bit, maybe his touchdown numbers increase. But if an A.J. Green does what we anticipate Green to do and what we hope is a bounce-back season for him – Christian Kirk, is this the year that he finally emerges to become that wide receiver, whether that's a number two or a number three? And then Rondell Moore, kind of the wild card in all of this because we just don't know right now how he'll be utilized outside, inside, out of the backfield. But you have a number of weapons to whatever. If you're moving the ball up and down the field, maybe not so much is looked at Hopkins to provide a lot of those yards and catches from a wide receiver standpoint. Yeah, I didn't know this, but I was listening to Ron Wolfie on, on 98.7. Um, it was, I think it was Wednesday morning, and one of the things he pointed out was, you know, considering in the division, I don't know how much Seattle runs, uh, you know, motion, but we talked about the Rams and the 49ers. Because of Hopkins last year just lining up on the left side, now when, when they kind of put Kyler in a box where they kept him in the pocket, and obviously Larry was missing time and Kirk was missing time, Andy Isabella wasn't running the right routes, but towards maybe – Maybe the last five, six games, they started moving Hopkins around. I want to see them move him around more. I know that they're looking for one-on-one coverage, and we, they'll take your chances with him. He gets off press coverage. He can, he's, he's skinny to the sidelines. He can make every catch. But I want to see them move him around a little bit. I thought we got a chance to see that in flashes towards the end of the season last year. So more motion, not just from everyone, but specifically from number 10. Yeah, have him go in motion, and then he can run that slant pass. I mean, I, I just think Rondell Moore, having him on the field, you're going to have to equate for all 53 yards from sideline to sideline. And by the way, Bird Gang, there will be other lists that come out this offseason. We'll try to get to as many as we can. But again, it's a talking point. It's a discussion and sometimes some heated discussion as well. But Cardinals with five players on Pete Prisco's top 100 list. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.